that lets you save there is a bit of a delusional mindset there's a bit of a i'm not going to stop until i win it's essentially i don't quit until i win Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. We're super excited to um, welcome a brand new guest. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Rob. It is a pleasure to be with you, Drew. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. I'm looking forward to this interview. No, likewise, likewise. I'm so excited to be on the show. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. All right. Well, let's get into it. Tell us about yourself, who you are, what you do. Give us the flyby for those of our audience that don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm a bit of a renaissance man. Like you mentioned, Dr. Rob Carpenter. I write books. I teach at UCLA. I make movies. I have done quite a few different things in my life. I just really love growing people. I love empowering people. I love showing people specific ways and how they can do better in their lives in terms of happiness. I had a book called The 40 Hours of Happiness that came out a couple of years ago that kind of walks through the how-to of happiness. And I've got a new book out now called Icons and Legends about strategies that celebrities have used to make their lives better that I'm trying to sort of help other people to make their lives better in their own context. And I just really love being able to show people the way, the path, you know, for them. And so that's kind of a little bit about the big overview of me, but I've worked on sets in, in my filmmaking days with The Rock or Sandra Bullock and some others like that. And my professor days, I'm at UCLA and I've just done a variety of different things throughout my life. I had a startup years ago. So a bit of a polymath, a bit of a renaissance man. We're kind of a, a dying species, so to speak, because we're in the age of specialization, but I, I like doing a lot of different things. But my main focus is growing big people. So that's pretty cool. Did you uh, get a chance to meet any of these big stars? Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting. I, I worked for I worked on a set of ballers with The Rock and so I met him and I looked at my paycheck and looked at his paycheck and said, wow, he's making a whole bunch more than me as, as the highest paid actor in Hollywood, uh, but also I'm nicest and the hardest working. And so I met him and met some other celebrities. And it's just interesting through how their mindsets are so different. Their mindsets typically are very entrepreneurial, very much like a business owner or very much like somebody who is just really wanting to push the boundaries of human achievement. And so the way they think and the way The Rock thinks, super different. But yes, I've had the opportunity, the pleasure of meeting some of them. Most of them are cool. Some of them are on the flip side of being uh, you know, under stress and under some pressure, which I understand. But the ones that I have met have been typically a pleasure. I'm, su- I'm so interested in how the mind works. And like, like you just said, different frames of mind. And I always think of why one person is in one situation and the next person is in a different situation. Like that guy that's... And, and I think this is, might be a bit materialistic, but you're looking at someone that's driving a car that's held together with duct tape and twine, mm-hmm. and then someone that's in a Maserati. Like what is their mindset and how was that 
different to create such different outcomes in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. One of the commonalities, Drew, that I found in researching the book Icons and Legends, and specifically for celebrities, is that a lot of celebrities would have what is called like a delusional mindset, or like billionaires would have a delusional mindset. By that, I mean, I'm not criticizing, but they think so differently than the person with the bump, you know, with the duct tape on their bumper, because they basically say, I'm going to recreate my own reality, not necessarily the reality itself, but my own reality, so that it matches my hopes and my expectations for life. So if they think in a different way, so for, in order for them to achieve differently, they think differently. And so they are typically extremely optimistic. The pessimist never changed the world, definitely never changed their own life. And so typically they tend to be optimistic, they tend to be growth oriented, and they tend to basically say, the odds don't apply to my life. And so they understand the status, they understand the research, they understand all of these different things, but they say, again, that's just not for me. I'm just going to do me and I'm going to succeed despite what obstacles come my way. So there is a bit of a delusional mindset and there's a bit of a, I'm not going to stop until I win. It's essentially, I don't quit until I win. That's awesome. That's, that's so cool. And you know what? I feel like those of us that are, maybe you call them overachievers, I feel like alone <laughs> in a lot of regard of like mm. some of the things that I want to achieve and the dreams that I go after. Because I feel like if you tell the average person that kind of stuff, they would laugh or think it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. No, no. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic statement. And I think that the 1% that go after their dreams do what the 99% don't. So maybe the 90% will laugh or maybe they kind of have that dream, but they don't think it's realistic or they don't want to put the time in necessarily because uh, you're a very successful business owner, podcaster, radio host, and the time that you put in to achieve your dreams is extremely incredible. And the time that other people who like these celebrities to put in their dreams is enormous. And so a lot of people think that, okay, well, that's just a dream. And but they don't realize that the dream is basically just a, another term for hard work. It's just a euphemism for I'm putting in the time, I'm putting in the effort, I'm meeting up early, I'm going to bed late, I'm working around the block, I'm really doing this so that I can make my life better, so I can improve the lives of so many other people. And so for a lot of people, they, they just sort of say, well, I have to have luck or I have to have the right circumstances or I have to have X, Y, or Z happen in order for that dream to come true. So I might as well not dream. And anybody else who does dream, I'm going to laugh at them because they think that you have to basically plan your luck or they say, well, he has to be, get lucky to be that successful. But the reality is you don't get lucky. You just have to put in the work. And so a lot of these celebrities sort of look at that. They say, if I put in X, Y, and Z, I may not be able to control the outcome, but I can significantly influence the outcome. And that's the big difference. You can't control it. You can strongly influence. You can put yourself in position to be successful as long as you put in the work. And so again, they look at dreaming as just a euphemism for the word hard work. Yeah. You're speaking to me here. One of my least favorite things is when someone says, you're so lucky to fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, th I think to myself, <laughs> I'm pretty sure luck has nothing to do with this. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because I think we're in a time of cynicism, a time of pessimism, obviously coming off COVID. But at the same time, too, a lot of people don't feel like they're in control of their own lives. They don't feel like that influence over their own lives. And so sometimes it's easier to feel, it's easier to feel helpless, easier to feel like they're on agency. And so if somebody comes along and says, wait a second, I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to have initiative and I'm going to move forward with the vision they, because those other people feel so helpless, they sort of may resent or think it's naive for somebody else to say, well, well, why do you, what makes you so different to think that you have some sort of control or power over your own life? And it's just a difference in mindset. You know, what's interesting, Drew, one of the things I found out about happiness as I researched the, the book before this is that only 10% of our happiness is based on our circumstances. And I think that's probably true too when it comes to success. There's probably only a small percentage of our success that's due to our natural circumstances. And most of that's due to mindset. Most of that's due to how do we talk to ourselves and how much do we work to put in 
the effort to make our dreams come true. And so again, it's not luck for most, and some people are lucky. Some people in the lotto, some people go out there, they hit it big in their first startup. Some people do get lucky, but even if you look at the numbers behind these things, Drew, like let's look at startup founders, for example. The, the startup founders, the average one has failed before. They're not in their 20s. They're typically older in their late 30s or in 40s. Look at Henry Ford, took multiple businesses. I think it was like seven businesses before he hit it. And the same thing is true with so many other people. And so it's not luck. <laughs> really, it's tenacity and determination. It's refusing to give up after things get harder. It's refusing to give up after they have been embarrassed, after they have been rejected, after they have been humiliated, after the first dream or two fails. And they just keep going. <laughs> just they, don't, they won't quit. And and I think that it's that, that rap song, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. And it's really that mindset. It's that simple across, you know, what I've seen in Icons and Legends, for example, across different celebrities from the 30s all the way to now, it's can't stop, won't stop. This isn't about luck. It's about putting in the work to influence the outcomes and influence the dream as much as possible. Not control it, but to influence it. And you said 10% of happiness is due to circumstance. Did I get that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me a bit more. Does that mean, so your circumstance of where you are in life doesn't necessarily create your overall happiness? Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with your happiness at all. So you, you, we've seen all these stories, stories like, for example, the founder of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, he grew up in the projects, in the hood, in the ghetto, and yet he made it out of there. And that didn't influence his success. Whereas there are other people who were born near where I live, you know, the, I'm on the west side of Los Angeles, and, and I, I pass Bel Air every day on the way to work at UCLA. And some of those people end up on Skid Row, end up homeless. And a big part of that is the mindset of these folks. And same thing is true with happiness. So happiness is a state of mind. Happiness is liking yourself and being content with who you are and what you have. But you, you know, so you can have nothing and be incredibly happy, or you can have everything and be incredibly unhappy, and vice versa. And and same thing is true with success. And so success is not automatic. It's interesting because a lot of times people say, well, that person was just born with a silver spoon in their mouth, or that celebrity was just born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And most of the time, it's actually not the case. The hardship that celebrities or even modern day business owners have had to go through to get what they get, it's not a silver spoon. And even if they were born with a silver spoon, a lot of the research shows that they become incredibly hard workers. Like look at Elon Musk and not wanting to comment on his Twitter politics, etc. but he was born to a wealthy father, a wealthy family, but that man works incredibly hard. And the same thing is true of so many other entrepreneurs we know. They were Mark Zuckerberg, born to a wealthy family. Bill Gates, born to a wealthy family. They were, whereas Steve Jobs wasn't born to a wealthy family, but they all worked incredibly hard to get to where they are. The same thing is true with mindset and happiness, that you can control your own happiness. And the biggest determinant of happiness, Drew, is if somebody thinks that they have control over some aspect of their life. They have a little bit of independence. So it can be as simple as I get the opportunity to make my bed in the morning, to control something, to having simple gratitude practices, because we know gratitude statements can rewire neurologically our brains to release feel-good chemicals in our body like dopamine. And those types of things are all these little things we can do to feel happier instead of just say, well, I have to wait until I hit the lottery or I have to wait until some other aspect of my life turns around in order for me to get better, in order for me to be happy. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into this? Did you struggle with happiness yourself and start and, and turn your life around or is it completely different? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So I was on a set one time and the director looked at me and said, hey, you, why are you so happy? It was like an accusation. <laughs> I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And and I think a lot of people who have known me personally would think that my life was all rosy and was all was perfect. But the reality is, Drew, I've been mugged. I have been run over by a car, literally, on foot. I've seen murder happen in front of me. My best friend was murdered when I was a teenager. I've had a lot of some of these, quote, worst case scenarios happen in my life, but yet none of that affected my happiness. Not because I was not empathetic, but because I chose to focus on the things that I could control, the gratitude, to focus on doing little things to improve myself. And 
And what I discovered is, as I was kind of thinking about happiness, and I, I, I thought to myself, okay, well, what are the determinants of happiness? And I remember, I remember back to my childhood, and people would tell me, oh, you can just choose to be happy. But for me, I'd always ask, well, you know, what does that mean? How do you choose? Like, can I get some specifics in this? And so as I sort of took my own experience, I started to reach out to people from all around the world and get their experiences and like, the research and, and was able to put all of these things together ultimately in that book where it was happiness. And, you know, with 80 pages of scientific citations on what makes us happy. And so I just kind of stumbled into it, but it was basically an offhand observation from a director saying, why are you so happy? And he, you know, I think he himself wanted that happiness. And so I said, well, I think I need to do something about sort of codifying it and putting it together in sort of manual, so to speak, uh, digestible mini steps for people to improve their lives. Because sometimes we can be have great circumstances, but be unhappy in our minds or our relationships, or we can have great relationships, but be unhappy at work and et cetera, et cetera. And so I put together this guide so that we can be happy in every area of our lives, in our minds and our emotions, our relationships and our workplaces, et cetera. And, and so it wasn't something that I purposely planned on doing, but it just kind of came to me and actually writing some follow-up books on it. And I do a seminar called Happiness for High Achieving Individuals. I'm doing one at Harvard, at Georgetown, at UCLA, you know, in, in the coming weeks and months. And it's just one that I'm seeing there's a big desire for from people because I think everybody wants to be happy. It's universal, but none of us have been taught the specifics for how to be happy. You think that, so these are, are those all Ivy League or just more prestigious types of schools? Oh no. So this just happens to be what's coming up, but I've, I've presented this to mental health therapists in California, hundreds of them. I presented it at school districts and everyday businesses. So this is just particular to this group of uh, people. But, you know, the hope is that one day I'll have a happiness retreat, so to speak, and with other folks who focus on happiness and we'll be able to get together something broader. Right now, I'm doing seminars and presentations and books and those types of things, but it's available for everybody. Do you think that people that have more or less happy, that's a that's a gen, that's a broad question, like people that have more material wealth because they have everything and they're not even able to fill that void internally with happiness? Is that a fair that's statement? A, that's, that's a great question. So the research shows that about happiness in terms of material wealth, at least as it relates to income, stops at around $70,000, $75,000. So happiness as a correlation of your income and your wealth does not increase as you go above $75,000 US dollars every year. And in fact, the all sorts of studies show that people who are higher income earners tend to be more unhappy than say the $50,000 earner. And all sorts of studies show that typically the highest paid earners from Wall Streeters to medical doctors tend to have the highest unhappiness rates and tend to have the highest suicide rates professionally. Because I think they thought that the achieving the material things would substitute for the void on the inside of them. And they realized that it didn't. And it created this huge cognitive dissonance. And they said, well, what else is there to do? I've achieved everything they're supposed to be. And a lot of celebrities drew fall on this as well. Unfortunately, only about one in five celebrities on all sorts of surveys state that they're happy. And it's because, again, they've, they've achieved this material wealth. And they realize there's got to be something else here. And they don't know what it is. And because you know, it, it's good that we have comfortable circumstances, but comfortable circumstances won't make us happy. The United States is pretty comfortable, but it's also one of the unhappiest countries in the world. Yeah, that's so interesting. I have so many thoughts on this subject because you like we chase, like we work hard to, to push our business as you know, as entrepreneurs to provide for our families and to provide maybe some luxuries or enjoyments. But you think at some point, like your family really just wants time with you in most cases, right? Like that's what I feel like I've realized is I can work as hard as I want and even provide materialistic types of things, but I don't like across the board, like my little boy, my wife, I think they'd probably give that up. <laughs> 
most material things for a few minutes of reading a $6 book. <laughs> yeah, I, Drew, I absolutely agree with you. I think the research agrees with you as well. I think that people, they just want human connection. See, we need three things. Human connection is one. We also need safety. And, you know, and so I think, you know, the three things that we do need, safety, human connection, but we also need goals. I think sometimes for very driven people, we over-invest in our careers and we under-invest in families. And our families are sort of saying, no, we want to be with you. We want to spend time with you. We love you. We care about you. But we think our, 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 our love language, so to speak, is provision. It's providing. It's saying, hey, I've shown you all of these things and this is how daddy loves you. This is how mommy loves you. And they're saying, but but we understand how you love us, but we want you to know that we want you to love us a different way. And we're like, wait a second, I don't understand that. <laughs> because we have defined not just our love, but we've defined our life through a narrower lens than they want us to find it through. And that's where it requires a lot of soul searching, requires a lot of, of empathy, of understanding their perspectives and sort of saying, actually, there's something to this. A lot of kids who are from very wealthy families, they end up resenting their, typically their fathers, because their fathers are always away on business. And like, well, I did this all for you. And they said, no, I just want to do the, 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 the father thinks that the, 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 the Mercedes to the child is the gift. Thinks that's the big home to the child is the gift. Think that the education of the child is the gift. But in reality, the gift is the father himself or the mother herself, that mm. we are that important and that worthy and that special to them. And it's like, what, what? I don't understand this because at, at the end of the day, a lot of us feel that we're not worthy enough. So a lot of high, highly ambitious people kind of, you know, we range from egotistical to insecure, <laughs> from ambitious to acting out of fear. And we kind of operate in some of those quadrants just back and forth. Not that we're bad, it's just human nature. And so a lot of times we're not feeling worthy. In fact, 85% of people don't feel good enough about themselves. That's especially true among hygiene people. And so they typically tend to be Superman or Superwoman. And so as they are Superman or Superwoman, they, they say, okay, well, if I get these things, then my family, my wife and my child or my, you know, my friends are going to love me. And it might be just subconscious. It might not be explicitly in their minds or in their statements, but they assume that because they've only ever been defined by what they can they can provide. And that's provided some source of validation, some force of, some some type of acceptance. And they just say, wait a second, no, we accept you without the, the yacht. We accept you without the mansion. We accept you without these things. We just want you in the $6 book. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, a, it's a profound thing. And it's like, but but I want to do these other things. Like, well, we don't need that. And, and it's strange, especially for men, just talking, you know, man to man. It's strange for men because that's not the culture we're raised in. And that's not our expectation because we're always thought we have to, we have to win. We have to be winners at life. We have to win, you know, coming up in sports or we have to win all these different things. And they're like, wait a second, we've already chosen you, dad. We've already chosen you, husband. And sometimes we just, it doesn't register with us because we're, we're so busy. And like, wait a second, I'm already chosen, but I, I, I don't feel that way. And then of course we can get caught up in our, in our lifestyles and achieving these things. And they're like, why are we achieving them when, you know, we, we think that it's to really help our families, but in reality, you're like, no, you're our help, you know, mm-hmm. and the gift of you, the gift of presence. Presence is so important. It's so important to wives. Like they would trade that in a heartbeat yeah. for fiat. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm really enjoying this topic because, you, you know, you push and push and then you, you get to a point where you're like, what am I pushing for? Like, because you have everything you need and the rest is maybe it can offer some comfort, but that like, I'm like, we're talking about like that time and like those moments, like you think about those moments from your childhood. For me, it was never riding in a $150,000 car. It, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the little moments with grandma when you're playing on the carpet or she's rocking you in her chair. Like it's those moments 
moments. Like I remember as I was playing Little League and my mom and my aunt were sitting there watching and in the rain is cold. I grew up in Canada. It was cold and rainy. And I, at that time, even at that time, I had appreciation that they came and sat in the freezing rain just to watch a 12 year old um, play baseball, you know? Absolutely. So naturally and intuitively, we know that. I, it's funny. I'm glad there was a more positive experience. I had experience also positive. It was my dad and him that played basketball growing up and, and, and I was playing and he thought that the route, the, the ref called a stupid foul. On me. And so my dad got upset and he like cursed out the ref and the ref teed him up and threw him out of the stadium. And I was like, I just appreciated my dad. He stood up for me. He's like, nobody cares. It's a high school game. But my dad got so worked up on it. He got thrown out of the, out of the arena. And <laughs> you know, I remember that. I was like, wow, dad, you love me that much. And see, my dad's a mellow guy, but for him to get thrown out, showed me something. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool memory for sure. So, okay. Let's spin the, let's spin the conversation or flip the coin. The materialistic things, you, there's this, the, those, those memes or whatever, those little quotes that go around social media and they say something like, uh, money doesn't make you happy, but I'm, I'm pretty happy sitting on this beach in Mexico. And <laughs> right. we know that some luxuries, I mean, then I don't think they're going to fill a void, but they make you more comfortable. And they, I feel like they could improve your life in, in some circumstances or not worrying about money or that your car is going to break down. So I feel like at, at some level, these types of things can increase our happiness. Can you um, speak on that? Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminds me the quote that you just said, it reminds me of a quote from somebody and they said that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but everybody wants to understand that, you know, that's true, if that's real. And so we all pursue it ourselves. And I think you're touching something, Drew, that's really interesting because what the research shows is that when we get the, the, the beach trip on Mexico, when we buy the yacht, buy the car, when we get the mansion, what happens in our brains is that we are rewarded with a neurochemical called dopamine, the pleasure chemical. So we actually have a temporary boost in happiness. So you're exactly right. Our happiness does improve when we acquire these comforts, when we acquire these goods or these experiences. So I think the research bears that out. What's interesting is that typically the the boost is only temporary. And so we will come back down to our default state. So after we buy the nice car, we're very happy for a little while, then it becomes normal. And then we want the next nice car or the next shiny object. And so so I think that for every person it's going to be different, but I think it's I think having nice things or pursuing goals is not a bad thing at all. It's part of the American tradition. And it's just recognizing that the happiness that comes from it is typically just the chemical in our body. And what researchers have found is that the happiness that we get from, say, buying the, the new Maserati is the same as a social media like. So that's why all these kids out there on social media are trying to increase their likes because they're getting <laughs> dopamine released in their system. It's like it's addictive. And same thing, like some people, they can be billionaires and like, why do you want more? Because it's just addictive. Some people are shopaholics. It's just, and we, we label them as bad people. Like we'll label a hardworking entrepreneur, well, he's just materialistic or you know, he just can't stop or we'll label it somebody who's a shopaholic or something like social media. But the reality is it's the it's the dopamine it's how we're wired neurologically that's the, that's what's going on inside us it's not that we're bad people it's just this is a this is biochemical human nature that we're dealing with and so yeah you're absolutely right there is a temporary boost in our happiness when we do get these things and it's nice as well to be able to have a trip for for a family or with friends to be able to do these to be able to live a great life i think sometimes you know people poo-poo this notion that we shouldn't live a great life well we should if we have the opportunity and as long as we we understand that it's not every all there is to live for that there are other things to live for like present family and that type of thing. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Um, I wanted to mention that. So sometimes you have so you have two different types of people, the the people that aren't so motivated, let's say. And then mm -hmm. you have the people, the overachievers. Let's just put the two extremes, the polar opposites. And sometimes I think the what's the word, the the blessed or the um most beneficial person is the non achiever. <laughs> because mm -hmm. the, as the overachiever, you work so hard 
hard and you fail mm. so often and you celebrate little successes on the way, but it's hard. <laughs> and I think that, man, I feel like in another life I could have been, I, I, I wish sometimes that I could be that person that's sitting on the couch and is happy as can be <laughs> not doing anything with my life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true. And, and I think that you know, in the United States alone, just kind of on a macro level, we benefit from the hard work of say World War II generation where they saved their country or the hard work of people that created all of the highways and created all of the schools and created all of the rules and created all the banks and were the beneficiaries, the welfare recipients, so to speak, of those things. And on the micro level, on the individual level, it's true too that I think it can be easier to be a passive recipient of it because leadership is hard. Being the boss is hard. Being ambitious is hard because you voluntarily subject subject yourself to mental and emotional obstacles and turmoil that those who aren't motivated don't subject themselves to. So you're having to battle a lot more circumstances and a lot more feelings and a lot more doubt and so many other things because of it. And sometimes you sort of wonder, well, what is the what is the marginal unit of of uh, of, of joy for that? And is getting the good worth putting in all of that effort? Is getting the you know is is having the title worth being cursed out or worse worth somebody giving me a death threat because I didn't get their product off in time, which happens a lot. I hear to, to entrepreneurs. And I, well, I had a company that we were late on the shipment because we got like eighty thousand customers in thirty seconds because we didn't deal with Mastercard and we didn't have the systems to be able to deliver. And so people started sending in those death threats. I'm like, really? You didn't get your product, you know? And we're, we had open communication with them. And sometimes you wonder, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Is it worth it to be able to say, I did that deal with them, and all this money came in, but at the same time, the stress and the pressure. I think one of the things I, I wish the unmotivated understood about great leaders like yourself or understood about, you know, people who are in positions of influence is the amount of stress that they're under, that the the thick skin that has to be developed, the just ability to navigate so many different people's wants and demands that, you know, it, it's it's challenging. It's really hard. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, sometimes you wonder, is it worth it? I think it is worth it in the day, but it's it's a very, it's, it's easier to, to be the couch potato, so to speak, than, that, than to be the leader. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Sometimes I, after a rough day, I say to my wife, let's sell everything and just buy a hammock on the beach. That's it. And um, it's always reassuring. She says, I'd live in a box with you. <laughs> that, that's that's a keeper. That's the keeper. And you know, it's absolutely right. And But it's hard because sometimes you do wonder, it's like, am I being appreciated? Am I being valued? Am I being respected? For men, we want respect. We want appreciation. And even just people in general, everybody wants that appreciation and to know that what they're doing not only matters, but that people care. And when it doesn't, it's like, man, why am I doing this? And sometimes we don't know for a long time why we're doing it. And we don't realize that our work, our work is divine almost. It's like, even if you're selling, even if you're selling shoes, the fact that you're providing a product to somebody or that you're providing a service to somebody they wouldn't otherwise have, even if they're unthankful, even if they're ungrateful, you're still making the world go around. You're still contributing. You're not taking up air. You're not taking up space. You're actually adding to the fabric of another person's life or adding to the fabric of the community. And that's to be celebrated. Even if, like one thing I learned, Kuro, and, and it's, it's interesting because it's not a one-to-one comparison, but like, we know this notion of sowing, reaping, or karma. For example, like, oh, if I treat this, the golden rule, for example, if I treat somebody well, they'll treat well. That's not exactly true. And what I found though is if I treat somebody well, invest in them, they 
they may not necessarily always treat me well, but typically it comes back from somebody else. So if I if I do good things for somebody, it may not come back from them, but it might come back from somebody else in the future. Mm-hmm. And I remember, wow, okay, I can see why I'm receiving so many good things, so much appreciation. Like if you're in those people, like they don't appreciate you, but then there's other people who are super appreciative and super grateful. You could barely did anything for them. And you're like, maybe that's payback, good payback for all the mm-hmm. good you invested in somebody else. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. there's no way for him to prove that, but it's, you know, I think just, just kind of having that balance that, okay, on the one hand, people don't appreciate all the hard work as leaders, but on the other hand, other people do. And at the end of the day, it's worth it for even that minority of people that do express their appreciation. Yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. All right, Dr. Rob, um, I was so in, involved in this conversation. We did go a bit over. <laughs> so <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> let's uh, wrap this up here. Let us know where our audience can find your book or more about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So they can go on Amazon. They can go on Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target for the 48 Laws of Happiness or Icons and Legends. They can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. I'm pretty accessible. Or just go to UCLA's website and I'm on there as well, Dr. Rob Carpenter. And and yeah, they can reach out to me uh, pretty quick and responding back. But yeah, I just really appreciate the opportunity. And for, you know, if there are any special listeners you have, Drew, you'd be happy to give away a free copy of the new book, Icons and Legends, to somebody if, if you'd like and, and whatnot. But I just really appreciate the opportunity. It's been fun. And yeah, I, I just really applaud you for all the wonderful work you're doing this podcast and your business. And even as just as a husband and father, I really, truly do. I think we need more great examples like yourself out there influencing the world for, for the better. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, Absolutely. Dr. Rob, that was, that was a great interview. We're going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time. And we wish you all the best with your future endeavors, your book and creating more happiness in the world. Thank you so much. Enjoy. We'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. That's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on facebook.com slash trueformlife. We post up there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge, whatever it may be. We'd love to have you join us. We're also on Instagram.com slash Drew Tadia. Again, we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story, all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track. Our main website is trueformlife.com. If you want to check out some of our products, some of our services, or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more, we got all that at trueformlife.com. Once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.